We'll be looking at Psalm, uh, excuse me, Proverbs chapter 17 in just a few moments. You'll want to turn to that. Proverbs 17, starting with verse 24 in just a few moments. I bring you this morning greetings from the district of Mungatsi in Kenya, East Africa. During our two weeks there, more than 200 Bibles in the Swahili language were presented to four different churches. 300 gift bags of jewelry that you helped provide were distributed. Several hundred pieces of encouragement and discipleship literature were distributed. Children received gift bags of crayons, a cross necklace, a rubber ball, and some candy. More than 60 children at one church alone. I gave 14 of my books to English-speaking pastors and our two main interpreters. I preached three and four times a day for nine days straight. I presented workshops for men on strengthening their marriages and for youth on sharing their faith with their friends while sitting in plastic chairs under mango trees in the afternoons. A highlight of the trip, and without question a highlight of my life and ministry, was the privilege of baptizing eight teenagers who had recently made faith decisions. We went down to a river, down a dirt road from the church, and waded out into the water where I baptized these eight youth to the sound of women singing at the top of their voices in Swahili, a song that in English translates, Jesus was on the cross, you must decide. Without question, an experience that I will remember for the rest of my life. Thank you for giving me that blessing and for that opportunity to minister. Thank you for your financial help. Thank you for sending us with your prayers. Stan and Betty and Leah and I will be presenting a detailed uh, report next Sunday evening in our 6 o'clock evening service. I hope that you can join us for that. We turn to the proverb today, making the most of 2024. Pastors across the country, I'm sure, last Sunday and Sunday before, uh, preached sermons on New Year's Day and new beginnings and resolutions and all of those kinds of things. This is my opportunity to start the year with you since I've been gone for two weeks. And so let's look at this psalm together this morning. Psalm 17, uh, excuse me, Proverbs 17, 24, a discerning person keeps wisdom in view, but a fool's eyes wander to the ends of the earth. The Good News translation says, a wise person aims at wise actions, but a foolish one starts off in many directions. Some people face the beginning of a new year with some anxiety. Their lives have been filled with worry, and so this just seems like another year that's going to bring more worries. Some people have faced so many challenges in the last year that to them, this is just going to be another year of new problems. Still others feel that they were swept along last year for the most part from one crisis to another, one disappointment to another, one unknown to another. So this year is just going to be another year of bewilderment. To admit that we certainly do not know what the new year is going to bring is certainly an understatement, but I would ask us this, do you think there might be a reason 
that we do not know. Before I even get to my planned remarks this morning, I need to ask, I need to say this. Maybe there are some things that we need to learn about trust. We don't know what's going to come our way this year, but doesn't God? We don't know what the future holds, but we know who holds the future. We either believe it or we don't. We could learn some lessons on trust. There are 89 references to trust in the Bible. Do you think it might be important? We were preparing to go to our second church in Kenya. And as was my practice, I was up at 5 o'clock that morning preparing for the day. I had all of my sermons, all of my teachings and notes in one notebook. I had selected and prepared what I had planned to present that day. And when I arrived at the church, I began to have a feeling to change to a different message. I can't explain it, but passages of a different sermon kept coming to mind. And so I made the change. And it was the next day then that a man came up to me with his nephew who translated. And the man said, I have been a believer for a long time, but I have not been trusting the Lord in my life the way I should. Thank you for reminding me to trust him with all of my life. Here's your homework for today. Use a good concordance if you have one or simply do an internet search on the word trust in the scriptures. Select your favorites and meditate on them. Write them down. Maybe write some prayer uh, thoughts to go with it and then place that aside to come back to sometime later when you need to be reminded about trusting God. To go back to our proverb at the beginning of the message, that homework assignment is a specific wise action. We can waste the new year by sitting around and worrying about the things that we failed to accomplish last year or the things that uh, didn't turn out the way that we thought they should or the mistakes that we made or we can make the most of the new year that God has given us. That's another wise action. There was a popular saying a few years ago, kind of trite, but it had a meaning. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. The fact is, this very well could be the greatest year of your life. Let me say it another way. This could be the greatest year in the life of First Baptist Church of Titusville. I began sharing it with you six months ago. Anchored to the rock Christ Jesus, but geared to the times, the best is yet to be. I firmly believe that. And so rather than ask what's going to happen in 2024 in an apprehensive way, why not get excited about what God is going to do in 2024? For many last year, and let's even face it, maybe for the last few years, these have been years of challenges and of changes and crises and loss and disappointments and failures and gee whiz, pastor, could you get more dismal? <laughs> but you know what? God, who has no need for calendars because he's timeless, in his wisdom brings life to us in small portions that we know as years and months and weeks and days and even hours and minutes and seconds. And I believe in a very real way that God is saying to us, 
today. Let's wipe the slate clean and let's start a brand new year. A wise person aims at wise actions, but a foolish one starts off in many directions. That last part of that verse describes how a lot of people not only start the year off, but how they start every day. They start off in so many different directions and no real plan of action. But then notice the first words at the beginning of the verse, a wise person aims at wise actions. That means they have goals, they have targets, they have something that they're aiming for. When you aim a pistol, a rifle, a slingshot, or when you aim to throw something, you have a singular focus. You block everything else out. Professional golf great Jack Nicklaus, the golden bear, was asked once if noise from people in the gallery around the putting green uh, ever bothered him when he was about to make a putt. And his answer was, I am so focused. I'm aiming and I'm so concentrated that you could fire a cannon off and I wouldn't hear it. We need to aim for what God has for us. I'm sure the last couple of Sundays, pastors all over the country have been delivering sermons on goals and on resolutions, things like spending more time in the Word and developing a witnessing plan and taking care of yourself physically and spiritually, cultivating your prayer life, finding ways to serve. The list could go on and on. But this morning, instead of giving you some specific goals, I'd like to give you some helps that, that some keys that can help you determine yourself the direction that you'll go this year. I have four keys for us this morning. Keys are used to either start something or to open doors. And so it's my prayer that these keys can help start us in the right direction and help open some doors of opportunity that God has for us. The first one, letter A, accept responsibility for your life. And this is hard for some people. They would rather blame someone or something else for the problems and for the difficulties in life. And what they're hoping for is another person who will accept responsibility for them, who will help them make their choices. And that way, when things don't work out the way they think they should, they have someone to blame. Their motto is, none of my problems are my fault. Everything bad that happens to me is someone else's fault. Blame the environment. Blame education. Blame your upbringing. Blame society. If you get in an accident, it's not your fault. If you spill your coffee, blame McDonald's. It's their fault. Contrast that with Galatians 6.5. The King James Version says, every man shall bear his own burdens. The NIV says everyone should carry their own load. There's still another translation that says every person must be responsible for themselves. Let me give you the Phillips translation. I am responsible for how I deal with what God brings into my life. I am responsible for how I deal with what God brings into my life and the given is that God is in control of what comes into my life in very practical terms there are some things that we have little or no control over the weather 
to some extent, the economy, the words or actions of other people toward us. But then there are also things that we face as a result of our own decisions. But either way, we do have control over how we are going to act or respond to these things. We can either be accusers who blame someone else. Their favorite phrase is, it's all your fault. It's never my fault. It's always someone else's fault. We can be excusers. Excusers are people who always have an excuse for not doing something. There's a reason why they can't get the most out of the year or their lives or their existence. There's a reason that they can't do what they say they're going to do. Or we can be choosers. Choosers say, I choose to accept responsibility for my own life, my happiness, my well-being. With God's help, I choose the direction of my life. My father-in-law was a Southern Baptist minister. He served churches for 40 years, then served as the director of missions in an association in the state of Kentucky for 10 years. And as he was approaching retirement, from associational mission work. He was looking forward to getting back to his first love, preaching. He was an excellent communicator. All he wanted to do in his retirement years was just find a small church to pastor and get back into preaching regularly every Sunday. He started noticing a growth in his throat that was affecting his ability to swallow. Several doctors, several specialists later, after a lifetime of good health habits, never smoking or drinking a day in his life, he was diagnosed with throat cancer. On the morning that surgeons would perform a laryngectomy, we were in the car to go to the hospital. Bill was in the driver's seat, his wife was beside him, Elisa and I were in the back seat. We held hands. We made a circle. And knowing that he would go to sleep and in a few hours would wake up and never be able to speak naturally again, Bill prayed, Lord, I don't know why you're allowing this to happen to me, but I thank you for the way you're working in my life. Because of his years of preaching, and enunciating clearly, Bill adapted to the use of that electrolarynx very quickly. So much so that the hospital began using him for speech therapy with other laryngectomy patients. He would sit down with a patient and demonstrate how to use the device and get them to make some sounds and say their name and say hello. And then he would reach in his pocket and pull out a card and hand it to him and say, now read this to me. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son. Because of the reconstructive surgery to his neck, doctors gave him 10 years. Bill continued to preach and witness for 25 years. And it was from Bill that I received the statement that I've already shared with you on some other occasions and will continue to as long as I have opportunity to serve you. There is nothing, there is nothing 
that will ever touch your life in any way that God cannot use for your good and for his glory. Accept responsibility. Letter B, believe I can change. Stop saying I can't and say I can. The person that believes they can change with God's help will change. We're familiar with Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The Jerusalem Bible has that verse as this, there is nothing I cannot master with the help of Christ who gives me strength. Our daughter's married name is Malace. And when she sends out personal emails, the closing is always the same. The Malace gang can do all things through Christ who gives them strength. I like that. There is nothing I cannot master with the help of Christ who gives me strength. That means that there is nothing that will come my way this year. No problem, no situation, no challenge that I will not be able to master with the help of Christ because he lives in me. Several years ago, my sister gave me a, a Christmas present. It was a framed cross-stitch uh, pattern that had poor grammar but a strong truth. Ain't nothing going to come up today that me and the Lord can't handle. Too many people feel like life is just one failure after another. They fail to realize that God can make a difference in their lives and then they can make a difference in the lives of people around them. The Bible is full of stories of people who changed, who triumphed because they believed in the power of God in their lives. God called a man named Moses who was a murderer and a disgrace and a failure and said, I want you to redeem my people. And he did. God called a man named Jonah who was afraid and hot-tempered and depressed and at first did not even want to do what God wanted him to do. And God said, I want you to bring revival to one of the most vile and pagan cultures existing. And he did. God called a man named Gideon who said, I'm the youngest kid in the poorest family in the smallest tribe in a tiny nation. And God used him to save his country. God called a boy who was also the youngest in his family of shepherds and said, I want you to slay a giant and become the greatest king who ever lived. And he did. God called another young man named Daniel, who was a slave in a foreign culture, and said, I want you to remain faithful to me no matter what anyone says or does or who threatens you. And he did. And he not only changed the course of history for God's people, but for that pagan culture as well. Accept responsibility and believe I can. Let her see, clarify what I really want. By clarify, I'm going to suggest that we write it down. Take some time, stop and take the effort to write down what is important to you. Many people never really determine what they want out of life. And you know what? If you aim at nothing, you'll probably hit it. Write down your goals. Write down your dreams, the desires 
of your heart. And don't make it so broad. I just want to be happy. I want to be a better person. I want peace in my life. That's good, but how are you going to do that? Write it down and then make it a prayer list. Pin it on the wall, put tape it to the mirror, put it somewhere where you'll see it. Pray about it and ask God to give you a plan of action. And then watch God do some miracles in your life. Accept responsibility. Believe I can. Clarify what I want. And then letter D, don't wait to begin. Do it now. Do it now. Those three words can change your life. If we wait for the perfect situation, it may never come. There may never be an ideal situation. A paraphrase of Ecclesiastes 11.4 says this, If you wait for perfect conditions, you'll never get anything done. We tend to say things like, well, when things settle down, <laughs> when things get a little bit better, and here's a good one, one of these days... The problem is that things may never settle down the way we think they should. Things may never get better the way we think they should. You remember what I said about using excuses and not getting things done. When things calm down a bit, I'm going to start reading my Bible more. Yeah. One of these days, I'm going to start spending more time with the Lord. I really do need to start exercising. Some of you like to walk in the evenings in your neighborhoods and there's always that couple that you see and he's so nice and she always smiles and you stop and you talk about the grandkids and other things that are going on. But have they ever heard the word, the name of Jesus come from your lips? More than once over the last few months, I have been challenging you to have at least one person Hear the name of Jesus come from your lips every day. Today, I want to share with you how you can do that. What if there was a way that every Christian, man or woman, boy or girl, young or old, it does not matter. What if there was a way for every Christian from every walk of life to offer a quick, easy, non-threatening and potentially life-changing witness every day. I think there is. It happens to us more often than we realize. Someone, anyone, someone you know, even a complete stranger, a cashier at a store, the bank teller, someone you step up to and they say, hi, how are you? Hello, how are you? And nine times out of ten, we give that cursory, non-thinking response. I'm fine. I'm okay. How are you? We don't even think about it. It's just an automatic response. What if we could condition ourselves, train ourselves to a different response? Four simple words. With Jesus, I'm great. Somebody calls you on the telephone. Hey, how are you doing? Instead of, I'm fine, I'm okay, how with Jesus, I'm great. The fact is, with Jesus, life is great. That's the message 
that we can give to the world if we would just stop and train ourselves to not give that cursory automatic message. When I first introduced this to another church several years ago, there were about 50 people present at that meeting. And I said, if you will just set a goal of once a day, when someone says, hi, how are you? Instead of saying, I'm fine, say, with Jesus, I'm great. By this time next week, 350 people will have heard the name of Jesus. And in a month's time, 1,400 people will have heard the name of Jesus that might not have otherwise. And the fact is, for many of us, we're going to have an opportunity to say that more than once a day. The numbers become staggering. And if it leads to an opportunity for us to be able to tell how and why Jesus makes life great for us, that's great. But if it doesn't, at the very least, they have heard the name that is above every name. Let me share some experiences with you that I've had with this. I was at my doctor's office one morning, and a young man came in and was at the counter checking in, and I was sitting there, and I started practicing, with Jesus, I'm great. With Jesus, I'm great. I was rehearsing it in my mind. And when he turned around, I would make eye contact with him. And if he didn't say anything, I would say, good morning, how are you, with the hopes that he would say it back to me. And then I would have a chance to say, with Jesus, I'm great. And he turned around, and before I could even say anything, he said, good morning, how are you? <laughs> I said, with Jesus, I'm great. And he said, oh, yeah, that's good. And then he realized what I'd said. He said, oh, yeah, I like that. Praise the Lord. Two brothers had a mini worship service right then and there. And you know what? Several other people got to hear it. That same day, I went to my bank to go through the drive-thru to make a transaction. And the voice on the intercom said, good morning, how are you? And I said, with Jesus, I'm great. And you know what I heard back? I'm glad to hear that. I left there. I had one more stop to make. I had to go to a store to pick up something. I picked out what I needed, went to the cashier, and uh, she said, uh, good, good afternoon, how are you? And it was rather unenthusiastic. I had to wonder how many times she had probably said that to people. Hi, how are you? And I said, with Jesus, I'm great. And you know what the response was? Insert your card when you're ready. <laughs> That's it. Insert your card. And you know, I went to my car and I refused to be discouraged because three people that day had heard the matchless name of Jesus. And that gave the Holy Spirit an opportunity to encourage that person's heart. I challenge you today. Find a way. It'll come to you. You don't even have to look for it. It will come to you. The next time someone, anyone, says, hi, how are you? What are you going to say? With Jesus, I'm great. Allow 2024 to be the year that God transforms your life. Don't be an accuser or an excuser. Be a chooser. Embrace how God will work in your life. How do we do that? Accept responsibility 
Believe you can. Clarify. And do it now. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we've had these moments together this morning to be reminded not only of truths from your word, but reminded of ways that you want to work in our lives. And so, Father, we pray that you would help us to be faithful to the opportunities that you give us to be living witnesses, to be verbal witnesses of your love at work in our lives. Give us those opportunities and help us to be faithful to them. And we ask it in that matchless name of Jesus. Amen. We're going to stand and sing our hymn of commitment. And this is your opportunity to respond in any way that God might be speaking to your heart and your life. Let's stand together as we sing.